0: Christians. Real conversations. Philosophy. Theology. Real life. Where the rubber meets the road. This is the Commuter Christian Podcast. Hello, everybody. Good morning, evening, uh, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Commuter Christian podcast. New face on here today you have not seen before. Or maybe you have, but uh, certainly not on my stuff. This is Cody Fields. He is the uh, owner of the Westminster Effects, who make really cool church history and theologically themed effects pedals for us church guitar players like myself and other people Um, you know now Seth Morrison with skillet has a pedal for you yeah Um, and this guy when I was going through my journey of faith my We use the word deconstruction because it's the buzzword, but that's not precisely what happened. But anyway, his podcast and the Facebook group that is associated with it and our um, merry band of whatever we are. (laughs) Miscreants is probably a good word. That's probably a very good word. (laughs) Um, Was really the place that helped kept helped keep me grounded while i was exploring let's just say maybe some more progressive ideas so i'm just i'm thankful for cody and what he does and the place that he has created online um because it has been absolutely beneficial to my life and my walk with god so i do like to start when i have a new guest who is Cody Fields?
1: Oh, man. That's a, that's a frightening question. Uh, so I am, <laughs> I, I am indeed the owner of Westminster Effects, and you can check out westminstereffects.com and all the typical socials, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, blah, 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 blah. Um, I do make guitar effects pedals, and I've been doing that since two thousand. 2015. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so seven years now I've been doing this thing. Um, I reside with my wife of eight years in the upstate of South Carolina in a little town called Lyman, uh, which is right in between Greenville and Spartanburg, for those of you who are familiar. And for those of you who aren't familiar, it's right in between Atlanta and Charlotte. Um, I am also a deacon at my church, Resurrection Church, here in in Greer, South Carolina. And my pastor is one of my co-hosts for... The Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, uh, which means that I am indeed the only guitar effects builder in the world with a theology podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for you know, for better or worse, that that that's pretty much what it is. So that's the elevation, a
0: singular accomplishment.
1: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you, know, to, you, know, <laughs> you know, to to your point about that group being a, a benefit for you, it's the the group and. The brand in general and the podcast were birthed out of uh, what I saw as hollowness in the modern church world, Um, and and particularly on on the part of the musicians, is we tend to allow our musicians to be squishy and not really think about things. Instead of solo scriptura, it's solo feels, right? Um, Right. We we know how that goes. And so, you know, uh, there were so many threads and so many groups that purported to be about worship guitar and worship guitar sounds and whatever. Uh, Any kind of theological uh, undertaking would just be shut down immediately. And that was incredibly frustrating to me because we had, you know, Mormons, United Pentecostals, in these groups and i couldn't tell them you know you're not worshiping the right god
0: or you know often as the case may be just people with no faith at all they're just a hired gun who were paid to play guitar on sunday
1: yeah exactly uh and and we couldn't even talk about whether that was appropriate or not and so one of my goals with all of this was to create a space for us to hammer things out and, and yeah. I, think, I think we've we've gotten that down pretty well. Like one of our co-hosts, uh, John Ross, is Lutheran, and right. uh, and you know Bradley, my pastor and I, I mean we're we're effectively Reformed Baptists uh, right. for all intents and purposes. Like our church isn't confessional at the moment, yet. Right. <laughs> we've been trending that way for a long time, but you know. So are you
0: are are you working towards being 1689?
1: I mean, not not. Uh, not explicitly. It's just, uh-huh. uh, it's it's been trending that way for years, if, if that makes uh-huh. sense. Yep. Um, understood. So, it, it, so, my point being, I wouldn't be surprised if we did adopt a, confet- like a proper confessional statement, now, uh-huh. is kind of what I'm getting at. And so, right. you've got a Lutheran, you've got uh, a couple of Credo Baptists, and we can disagree <laughs> on that. And we can right. hate each other, you know, because, because we understand our foundation is in Scripture. Right. And yeah. Scripture, uh, scripture interpreted uh, in its proper context, right? And and it's all about you know, the glory of God and the joy of his people, right. And so, right. If, if we're keeping those things in mind, man, we can we can throw haymakers, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then hug it out after. Right.
0: Right?
1: Well, yeah, and I, and I know you've been on the receiving end of some of those haymakers, and, and that's you keep it and you keep coming back for us. <laughs> uh, a
0: lot of them I deserve.
1: Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, you
0: said. Well, I'm I I'm I'm self-aware enough to know that.
1: Right. Right. Which which is <laughs> you know, the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> oh boy, do I. <laughs> but uh Yeah, uh, and all of that is nothing that is strange to this audience. Um, One of the guys I have on, well, he's only been on this show once, but I am regularly on his Friday stream now. Um, uh, My audience is familiar with uh, with Joe. Um, Like, when we first started talking, we were the archetype of each other's enemy within, like, the Christian sphere. Sure to him i was legalism and all theology all the time and like just a talking brain
1: yeah yeah
0: and uh to uh to me he was just this bleeding heart squishy we just need to love people Mm -hmm. but as we've talked and we've gotten to know each other we've drawn each other into this nuanced middle ground where We understand that we are not just the cliché that we appear to be. And uh, now we do beautiful ministry work together.
1: There you go. There you go. Yeah.
0: It's so rough. I mean, if we lived anywhere close to each other, I'm sure we would come to blows. It
1: can be more fun that way sometimes.
0: It it can. But anyway, one of the hot... Uh, eh, hot topics. Um, at least for what I do, trying to get into just all the ways that evangelicalism has failed. Um, postmillennialism comes up, or or theonomy. Uh, these these terms. So, um, if you wanted to define those terms first, and then we can go from there. So what? I- what is postmillennialism for those who do not know?
1: Yeah, uh, so really, more than anything, uh, because postmillennialism, premillennialism, and non-millennialism all derive their, their names from how one interprets the thousand years of Revelation 21. Uh, right. But there, there is more to it than that. And really, kind of the basis for postmillennialism is that the church is successful in. It's fulfillment of the Great Commission from Matthew 28, being you know, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Mm-hmm. And so and so the way that we read that is not, go make a couple of disciples within all of these nations.
0: Right? <laughs> a couple here, a couple there.
1: Right, It's it's not... You know, make sure you go into Somalia and get like 12 dudes saved. Make sure you go to France <laughs> and at least, you know, three and a half. Right. It's it's not like that. It's disciple the nation. Right. Uh-huh. It's, it's We want to win the whole. And again, in the power of the spirit, uh, it's this isn't, you know, us ginning up our own efforts. It's not us going and making ourselves awesome. Right. It's all grace, all the top to bottom, all the way down it's yep. the grace of god in saving the world we're not universalists, uh, but we we do believe that in the long run the majority of humanity will be saved uh yeah 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 it's i
0: I have, I have i have no qualms with that you know, so many people read that the way is narrow, and they think there's going to be, like, five people in heaven.
1: Right. Right. We actually just went over that a couple weeks ago in church, where uh, where our sermon series is through uh, the book of Luke right now. Uh-huh. Where is that? Is that Luke 14 or 13? Yeah. and right in the middle there, it sounds like... Someone asks him, will those who are safe be few? And he doesn't actually answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Of course, remember, he's teaching and journeying Jer- t- toward Jerusalem right now. Right. Yep. In that time and place. Uh, yeah. when, when once the master of the house has risen, to shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock it door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he'll answer, I don't know where you came from. right? Um, and then he you know, throws them all out, and in that place there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out, and people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. That actually sounds really, really hopeful. It doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like 17 people get in the kingdom. Uh, right. It, it's, there are people at that time who are absolutely going to be judged, but when they're cast out, you have people coming from the ends of the earth to right. come recline at the table in the kingdom of God.
0: Well, and is it Revelation 3 that echoes that? Um, where there's every where there's every tribe, every town, every nation.
1: Right, right. And, and, the, and of course... All, a lot of this hinges on how you read uh, Revelation. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, nope, maybe if you read Revelation, no, <laughs> yeah, if you read it uh, with 144,000 and all that, but you know, a lot of this, a, a yeah. lot of this stems from uh, a a partial preterist understanding of Revelation. You know, if, if you read Revelation one, it sets up what the thing is about. And Revelation is not a book about the end times. It, it, like it's just not. Right. It's it's not yeah. so Revelation, Jesus Christ. Well, yes. Yeah. Is what it's. Now you.
0: To. Now you you use the term there. Us nerds understand what is um, partial preterism.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, so preterism is is an understanding of uh, certain biblical prophecies being. Fulfilled in our past, uh, right. so but to a degree, everyone is some kind of preterist, right? right. So, so Isaiah fifty three, we are preterists. If you're a futurist, right. believing that Isaiah fifty three is still in our future, the term for you would be a Jew,
0: <laughs> right? You don't you don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah,
1: right? And and so that would be a problem, uh, and so <laughs> and so you know. I am in the camp that believes that the bulk of Revelation has already happened and it was regarding the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 Uh uh, which supplanted the old covenant and all of its external trappings such as the temple, the priesthood and all of that and it was the final uh, one, the final judgment on unfaithful uh, geopolitical Israel and the and the uh, how to say it um, <laughs> c- because it's, it's not replacement theology, like dispensationalists. Like it is not. Uh, it, because in, in this covenant rendering, like we believe what, the church stretches back to Adam and Eve.
0: Right, right. True, true Israel has always been those who believe. It is the elect, you know. Israel, like, t- the church existed in physical Israel. It yes. was those who were faithful to God that truly believed. Yes. And oh. so the, the 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 church since Christ is just a continuation of exactly. that existing body of true believers.
1: Right. So you have a, a period of about 40 years between the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ and the destruction of Jerusalem in 87, right. uh, approximately yep. 40 years, uh, which he called his shop in Matthew 24. No, This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And that's right. what he's talking about. And so you yep. have kind of a covenantal overlap where God is being patient, drawing his elect out of the sacrificial system set up at the temple uh, yep. and, and transferring them from that into the new covenant understanding of that sacrifice is already taken care of and we don't need that crap anymore. You know, that's what <laughs> Hebrews is about. It, it was right. about, you know, Jewish Christians who are really looking back at the temple and saying, this looks pretty legit. Yeah. And the, the writers think, no, that, that's not what it's about. It's not what it's ever been about. It's about right. the final, the, the accomplished work of Christ on your behalf, yeah. period. And is so,
0: it, it, Is it so Amos? I never wanted your sacrifices, but a contrite
1: heart right, right that was yeah. never the point yeah yeah so so it really gets down to you know how how we understand scripture as a whole right what yeah. what is the outlook what is what is God doing in history and, right. and for the post millennialists you know and whatever you want to call us right uh, <laughs> because we't you know, most post millennialists these days are Effectively optimistic millennialists, <laughs> because we don't uh-huh. believe in a literal thousand years. We don't believe in a golden age. It's more right. so the church grows until it fills the world, and it's going to be fantastic in the end. Um, uh-huh. That doesn't mean it's it, it doesn't mean it's you know like a, a line graph, perfect one to one, you know, forty five right. degree angle, always upward trajectory. You know, right, right. now, right now it's kind of bumpy. And we're perfectly willing to admit that. <laughs> we're perfectly willing to admit that. Uh, but, but the overall the road trajectory, needs yeah, the overall trajectory <laughs> is that Jesus wins in history progressively, right? He's uh-huh. putting his enemies under his feet as we speak, per 1 Corinthians 15 and Psalm 10. Uh, right. It, right. Per Psalm 2, the nations are commanded, kiss the son lest he be angry and he perish in the way. Mm-hmm. And, and so Jesus Christ is king, and he's going to act like it. <laughs>
0: right. Yep.
1: And then, and then, I think you also wanted me to uh, define the term theonomy. Is that correct?
0: That is correct.
1: All right. So th- this is the uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the spicy one. Yeah this is the this is the spicy one. And it and it's really not that spicy. So theonomy. It, it it really just Theo, for God, Theos, right? And then yep. Namos, law, God's law. So uh-huh. Theonomy is a, a framework in which it is understood that civil government should be using the law of God as its basis for operations, not taking the, the entirety of Leviticus and just dumping it in our current society, but as the Westminster Confession says, taking the general equity and, right. and applying it. So when we have uh-huh. the Ten Commandments, law of God, uh, you shall not murder, right? Well, you should not count. You should, literally, you shall not kill. And then you have the right. case, right? You have the case law of if someone breaks in your house in the middle of the night uh, and you kill him, you're good. Right, but if the sun right. comes up and you just go ahead and off him, and there's not any kind of struggle, then his blood's on your hands. Right. Uh, the way that would apply here is if you know a couple of crackheads break into my house in the middle of the night and I shoot them, we're good, good. right? Yeah. But if somebody's creeping around my house, uh, maybe in my yard in broad daylight, and I just go ahead and shoot the guy, there's going to be a problem. And, and so that that's right. that's something where where most societies get that right. Like, that is yeah. the correctly applied law of God. You then yep. get into, you know, there are, you know, implications for things like tax law and uh, legal proceedings, uh, criminal trials and stuff like that, but it's it's not about, and, and it never has been, it, it gets re- misrepresented all the time. It's not right. about just dumping the entirety of the Old Testament into right now and saying deal with it uh it's (laughs) about taking all right what are what are we doing here because god says this is just right and Ah. he says in the law all of the nations around you to israel are going to look at this and be in awe at how just this system is so do we believe that or not (laughs) it's, it's it's a pretty challenging question like do we really believe that and uh and if it, if it's scripture that judges us instead of us judging scripture, then we're kind of forced into, well, yeah, that would be just. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. We we, we either al- yeah, I mean, we we either align ourselves to scripture or we don't.
1: Right, you, you're either with Jesus or against it, and, and then mm-hmm. and that applies to legal systems, to the civil yeah. All right.
0: Yeah, I mean and there can be nuance in a lot of stuff, but that is not an area where there's nuance. When it comes to Jesus. <laughs>
1: right, right. You right. are for or against. And he affirmed the entirety of the law as good. And you have the law repeatedly affirmed as good by Paul and like throughout the New Testament. It's a great thing. It's not for salvation. It will like following the law will not get you saved. Following the law won't get your nation saved, but following wow. the law post regeneration does have significant wow. blessing to it. You know, okay. if, if you're following the law and and you know, hey, don't commit adultery. Well, if we were following yeah. that, we wouldn't have this whole hunky box thing going on. It just wouldn't uh, be a thing. Right. But
0: yeah. and that's what the, but, that's the second use of the law.
1: Oh man, I think so. <laughs> out, of, out, of, out of the traditional three, I think that is the second one. But, at, I mean, oh, yeah. at the same time, like... like you know, You're really nerdy there. <laughs> right. And, and, but, but to turn it around, like, you know, if I'm not, in, if I'm not envying uh, my neighbor's stuff or yep. his, his wife or whatever, then that means I'm content in cherishing what God has entrusted to me. That means right. I'm content in, in cherishing my wife. And that has implications for it, too. Like, there, there's yeah. the negative and the positive of it all. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we, we get we get accused of a lot of things that just aren't right. necessarily yeah. on the people other People
0: think, point. they think of the medieval Catholic Church. Right. They think of it, they think of inquisitions. They think of trials by fire.
1: Right, <laughs> right. Now, if you, if you rant, what a lot of people don't understand is if you rant, their foundations, then it makes perfect sense what they did. But it's still disagreeing with it totally. But if you right. grant, like within the Inquisition, they were trying to keep people saved. They were trying to save souls within it, right? And that, and a lot of the Inquisition, like torture techniques, were to get a confession so that you wouldn't go to hell. <laughs> and so, if if you come at it from that perspective, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense biblically but it's consistent. Yeah, I'm not sure how any of
0: that works, biblically. That like. it, right, it <laughs> doesn't
1: work at all. Uh, but if you grant that, then it makes sense. Now, the difference between what you know, theonomists and post would advocate within that theonomic system uh, and stuff like the Inquisition and medieval Europe is there are distinctions. Uh, and this we can thank uh, Abraham Kuyper for this. Uh, mm-hmm. About 100 years ago, he was a Dutch Reformed pastor who became the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. And uh, he, he, what well, he described it as was called sphere sovereignty, that God has right. established three basic forms of government in the world, being the civil realm the family and the church. And they, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't intrude on each other, uh, but, but they do inform each other, like the church right. should be informing both. Right.
0: Um, I, am, I am the king of my
1: castle. Right. Right. But if you start... Such as it is. If you start beating your servants in your castle, then the civil realm has the duty to restrain you from doing that. And the mm-hmm. church would have the responsibility of church discipline, of, no, you're not going to do that. We will hold right. we'll communion from you and kick you out of the church if you keep doing this. Um, and so... Right. The church has the discipling power over, over the family. Maybe I'm, maybe that's not the best way to put it, but you get what I mean. It's, it's, it's the spiritual yeah. realm, the word and sacrament. Uh, the family is tasked yeah. with, with uh, basic family discipline, with the education and welfare and all that good stuff. And the civil realm is trusted with bearing the sword. So in a proper theonomic society... You wouldn't have the Inquisition because that's the church's job to root out heresy. It's not the government's. The civil government's job is to go after people who are. uh, They would. They would actually do a pretty good job at uh, going after the SBC sexual abuse stuff that's coming. It would be. It would be their job to go after. uh, You know, insert political controversy here. Uh, right. I'm, I'm just not even going to go into that. Um, yeah, they would, they would be tasked with prosecuting abortionists and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, whereas sure. the church is not bearing the sword, but they can inform right. the government how to bear the sword. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that is that is something that's something that's completely lost right now. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it's eighty percent of what I talk about on commuter Christian is just this blending of theology and um politics, this blending of, you know, uh, Americanism and Christianity and like where does one stop and the other begin?
1: Right. Yeah, and so and so where I was And the church the church
0: doesn't know where its lane is. Yeah. And the government uses that to its advantage and right. uses Christian language and all of these other things to get yeah. the buy-in of those that have less discernment.
1: Right, and so I, I, in principle, in principle, uh, <laughs> I don't have a problem with the church being political because the phrase Jesus is Lord is political. It, right. it, it means that the government is not Lord in an ultimate sense. Right. It's entrusted with certain authority That, that God dictates you know, So when mm-hmm. Jesus says to give to Caesar what is Caesar One of the things that is not Caesar's One of the, thing that, the things that does not Belong to Caesar Is the authority to determine Which things belong to Caesar God right. um, mm-hmm. And so What we would What we should be advocating for As Christians and even within the church Is godly policy. What does that look like? Where do you find that? You find that in Scripture, and so yep. one, of, one of the illustrations that I've used in advocating uh, for this is you—you you have in the law, and I don't remember book chapter verse. Uh, if if someone takes out a loan in in the law, it uses the example of you—you you don't take his—you uh, don't use his millstone as collateral because that's how ah. he feeds himself, right? Right. Well, what would be the modern like the general equity, like we like plot that out, plot that down into today, and say, all right, if somebody's going to get a loan, what what does he really rely on to feed his family? And, and I think it would eliminate title loans in the United right. States of using your, or, your as collateral, and then having that yeah. repossessed if you couldn't pay back that exorbitantly priced loan, right? Which, or
0: like the garnishing like, of wages or any of those kind of practices, right?
1: right. Yeah. Like. There, there would be ways to collect things in a just way, of course. And I'm not going to pretend yeah. like I know every mechanism that should be instantiated right. for all of that. Uh, right. But, but if, with title loans, like, like we can be honest. Title loan companies are really just ways to buy cars, buy for really, really cheap from poor people so you can flip them. That's right. really what's going on. It's not properly a loan to help someone get on their feet it's it's let me effectively jack their car from them <laughs> and then sell right. it at an auction, and it's yep. it really really is not a a just way of doing things. And let me you know, sell
0: this right? car twice,
1: right? And that's and that's where you know a theonomic society would look would look in a lot of ways, at least compared to right now, very libertarian, um, mm-hmm. but it's not all the way libertarian. It's not properly libertarian because not all contracts should be enforceable, right? That, even that law says that contract is not just and we're not going to enforce that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also, uh, libertarianism, uh, at least in the classic political sense, is for all kinds of things that we as Christians are against. Right.
1: So in terms of in terms of leaving people alone, <laughs> we would we would we would have a lot of sympathy with with, with libertarianism. Uh, but right. what libertarianism gets wrong is that it atomizes uh, the individual. It's every individual is completely disconnected from every other individual, and individual liberty is the only thing that matters, right? right. So we we more
0: society warped, just it right. doesn't function that way.
1: Yeah, well we've we've morphed freedom into the freedom to do whatever you want when the when the classic uh, formulation of it is freedom from what, from what and freedom for what. Right? right. What is my yeah. freedom for? And and the law of God would say the, your freedom is to love God and love your neighbor. And you are free from things like tyranny and in the Christian sense, sin and death. Right? Which yeah, enables me to love my neighbor even more. Yep. Yeah.
0: And then, okay. There is a sense where we do believe or there's <sighs> you can't expect the non-believer to live as a believer. Yes. Yep. So how does that fit into the law of God being the law of the land. Right. If the unbeliever cannot obey,
1: right? Well, there, 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 has to be a differentiation between sins and crimes, right? Not mm-hmm. all, not all sins are crimes. It, sh- it should be that all crimes are sin. Right? Um, right? And so, well, how far, how far do we really want to take that? That the unbeliever mm-hmm. isn't going to act like a believer. Well are you going to let them chop up babies in the wood? Uh, <laughs> are you going to allow them to murder each other? Like, uh, do we really want to do that? Do we really want to go that far? It, what we right. tend to do is we say that regarding laws where the consequences aren't seen for about 20 years out in public. <laughs> and And that's what we've done with, you know, things like Obergefell um, and Roe and stuff like that. And we, we try and say, oh, yeah, they're not going to act like Christians, so we shouldn't enact laws that would effectively force them to act like Christians. problem with that is every single law that is enacted is an imposition of morality. So yep, yep. if we have a law against homicide, that is imposing someone's worldview onto everyone else. Right. If If we have laws saying the studs that uh, that build your walls have to be this far away. That is an imposition of some kind of morality. Good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, or, you know, even tax policy, if you have to, if you really, really have to stop at a red light, <laughs> uh, what laws are an imposition of morality? All of it is an imposition of morality. And so we really just need to uh, kind of kind of get off of our pietistic high horse <laughs> uh, because we expect Christianity to basically be me and my Bible with a cup of coffee in the morning with an Instagram picture of it. Uh, and then our Sunday, mornings, <laughs> right. maybe a small group Bible study and we'll be nice to people along the way. Uh, when really the kingship of Jesus affects everything. Yeah. Now that, that doesn't mean that we enforce with the state, church attendance. Uh you know, right. something like that. That that would be right. absurd. That's outside of the purview of state. Uh the church should not push for something like that. But all wow. all law, all legislation is an imposition of some kind of morality. And so mm-hmm. we need to just we need to just be honest about that. Yeah. And then
0: Yeah. Well it, it, so here's here Here's another thing I think that muddies the water for some people. Sure. Um, I had mentioned I had mentioned in, um, the message that we might go here. So, and this is going to be the difference between someone like myself, who's a more classical millennial, sure, and some, uh, um, and someone who's post mill or rather optimistic a mill. And th- that would be what we call a two kingdom view. Versus a one-kingdom view.
1: Yep. Uh, So where I would go immediately for that uh, would be Revelation 11.15. So regardless of how you read Revelation, uh, this is before the beast shows up in Revelation 13. So in the preterist Mm -hmm. view, the beast is zero. Uh, So in in Revelation 11.15... Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud, loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Okay. Understood. Which I would kind of expect, you know, it's Jesus rules everything. And it's not—it's it, not that there are two kingdoms of you know a higher and a higher story and a lower story. Or I, I think Luther put it the kingdom of the left and the kingdom of the right. Uh, I might be misremembering that, but it's—I just don't see that scripturally. Uh, you have wow. the kingdom of God. You have—you do have the kingdom of darkness. But in terms uh-huh. of human society, uh, it's Christ ruling everything. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. And so and and that's that's where things like sphere sovereignty come into play, because you do have to have those differentiations between the different types of government. Uh, And so there would be different standards for or different roles, rather, for each of those spheres. But it's not so much. uh, All right. So we have the kingdom of God over here and they do their thing. And then uh, I I hear it a lot from Amillennialists calling all of society Babylon which I just, I just can't buy into. <laughs> uh, I don't hate them for it. Uh, I just think they're wrong. Uh, but, you know, the, the entirety of society and, and the civil realm is not Babylon. You know, if, if kings are commanded to kiss the sun, then right, right. by necessity, Understood. it is not Babylon. Yeah. Unless Babylon gets saved, which I'm on board with.
0: Right. Well, it, what makes it difficult? or i think fuzzy for a lot of people is you know there's absolutely you know there's an unseen mystical spiritual realm to all of this oh yeah and so often we view that you know g- god working in that way as the kingdom of god yeah and so you know how how we live out of the spiritual reality is is God's kingdom and then the other kingdom being essentially the the physical realm or you know the uh, fleshly kingdoms the kingdoms of men yeah and um you know Christ rules the world through the church by expanding the influence of the spiritual godly kingdom into the kingdoms of men right. that would be my Two kingdom view,
1: sure. Uh, which which I would have fewer problems with at least. Uh, I, I don't I don't think Christ rules rules the universe explicitly through the church. Uh,
0: right. I know that's super
1: Catholic. But- <laughs> right. <laughs> Otherwise, how does he how does he rule the Andromeda galaxy? Right. Right. That, that's a direct rule kind of thing. Uh, he right. doesn't need us to to exercise his sovereignty. Well, see,
0: that's why we need to build spaceships, right? Right. So that we can... Right. <laughs> <No. laughs> so, that, so that God can rule the rest of the galaxy through the, yeah. through exactly. the church.
1: Exactly. exactly. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I need to not nerd out. I'm about to nerd out pretty hard, and I'm, I'm just going to refrain. Never mind. So, uh, anyway... anyway uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where uh, I, I, it seems to me, and I might be wrong, but I don't think I am, that <laughs> my position usually gets uh, pretty misrepresented, sometimes intentionally, Absolutely. sometimes not, uh, Absolutely. where you know, we, a lot of people think that we want the church to take over. And, and I might use that as shorthand sometimes, but what I'm not saying is, is that our pastor that The church is the government. Yeah, uh, we, nobody wants the pope to be the king of the world. Uh, no,
0: not even Catholics.
1: Not even Catholics. Uh, but <laughs> we also don't want like a a Protestant pope, quote unquote. Like, like right. no, nobody wants nobody wants a uh, a general assembly of Presbyterians to set tax policy. <laughs> uh, I would I would love even as a Baptist. Uh, or the entirety of Congress to be Presbyterian. <laughs> like, legitimately Presbyterian, because we get a lot better uh, legislation out of it. Uh, yeah. but, but it's not a church body, it's not a church council that's setting the total for legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would just be, that would be influenced by Scripture, by the Gospel, by the good news that Jesus is Lord, and we all need right. to deal with it. Yeah, and I
0: think that's I think at least you know on on a basic level, you know, just uh, orthodox essential level. I mean, the idea that Jesus is Lord should be something, not just in theory, but in all practicality, yeah. that all Christians can be on board with.
1: Right, and that's that's one of those things that's it's really interesting. So we had a, a class; uh, it's like a two three week class of evangelism. Uh, it, Using the Book of Acts as our example, Uh one interesting thing that you see in the Book of Acts is that all of their gospel proclamations include, in in some way, shape, or form, that Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. What you never see in the Book of Acts is that Jesus died for your sins. Right. You never see that. So, like, even even the first one in Acts two, it's this Jesus whom you crucified. God has made both Lord and Christ. You kind of envision Peter like saying that, and then like walking off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold just whole crowd of Jews. By the way, th- you killed this guy.
1: Yeah, you, you killed this guy, <laughs> and, and God has made him ruler of the universe. Oops, deal with it. And, and <laughs> what you don't hear is, all right, now every head bowed, every eye closed. <laughs> you can almost envision it in the text, like turning around and walk, starting to walk off, and then. Yeah you get the response, brothers, what shall we do? Right?
0: What, what have we, we done?
1: You have to tell them, right? And so it's... Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: I don't even remember where I was going with that, but I said it no. anyway.
0: Well, we're, we were talking about the idea that um, on a very practical level, like not just in theory... No Christian should have a problem with the idea of Jesus as Lord.
1: Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but just because he is. You don't make him Lord. You don't he make him Lord. Lord and Savior. He just is. It's right. whether you recognize it and whether you put your trust
0: yeah, in him for that. Come into that realization or not.
1: Right. Uh, and, and obviously, like we can we can debate, you know, the reform slash Calvinist versus Arminian versus Provisionist versus Molinist and all of that good stuff. Uh, <laughs> but it, it really comes down to grace through faith in the yep. Lordship of Christ over everything, which would include, obviously, saving you from your sin. Yep. So, uh, it, 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 but, you know, I, I will say at the same time, uh, a, a post-millennial view. Gives you a much more long-term view. Uh, you 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 start to think about decades, and centuries, as opposed to the next three months,
2: right? right.
1: Uh, where you know you're you're lucky to get uh, an evangelical church to plan three months ahead right now. Uh, That's and true. It's six months is borderline miraculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one one year will. We're just going to get raptured out of here by then. Haven't you seen all the signs? Even though uh, classically dispensational theology, the rapture is a signless happening. So stop talking about yeah. signs coming up to the rapture. Um, yeah. but it's but, a secret. <laughs> yeah, it, we're not going to instantiate the kingdom right now. But it, it's not going to cover. Uh, oh, I can't remember which prophet, but the the the. the the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. I can't remember. I can't remember either. But, spoiler alert, water is really, really wet. It <laughs> <laughs> is very wet. Uh, that's, a so whole that,
0: debate. that's a whole other debate, too.
1: Yeah, and that that's how, how we can expect the world to look in the long run. And if we're comparing uh, the world right now to our... Our fancies of what it looked like in the 50s were doing it wrong. What we need to do is compare 2022 in the year of our Lord 2022 to mm-hmm. about 33 AD, right, where there were a hundred dudes in an upper room in Jerusalem, and now we're 1.6, 1.8 billion strong. That's a pretty decent return on investment. Sure, you know,
0: I mean, and that's you know, that's not getting into. Whether everyone who actually claims Christianity is Christian right. or any of that right. stuff, so. and,
1: and, and, and even like if if let's just get <laughs> really harsh and say forty percent of those people are legitimate, legitimately Christians, legitimately that's,
0: that's optimistic. Which which means, <laughs>
1: it's an incredible return on investment, and you can thank the Christian worldview of Jesus being Lord over everything for things like the university, for the scientific mm-hmm. method. For yep. uh, I think it was uh, Alexander Graham Bell was a Calvinist. <laughs> He's a Presbyterian. Yeah. Uh, yep. Like you can you can thank Christians for basically every major advancement, or at least the framework that led to every major advancement yep. in civilization for the yep. last two thousand years.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I mean, even even the beginnings of like humanism. Yeah, and enlightenment on yeah. um, certain other things were expansions of Christian movements,
1: right? And obviously, in some ways, perversions, right? The, the enlightenment yes. got a lot wrong. The enlightenment got a lot right. Uh, it's where, where where we're hurting right now is where the enlightenment ignored scripture with its expressive individualism, which is how we get the whole transgender and alphabet mafia right. kind of thing. Uh, right, but you know. Where, where it was right, it was right. Yeah, and, yep. and we, and it was because of the Christian worldview that undergirded it.
0: Sure, and yeah, but there's been the 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 unfortunate thing is that, it, and you you can look at through time. You know, you're a theology nerd and a church history nerd, also. So you know, you're you're someone that's going to be more clued into this than some. Sure. But you can look at the theology that came out of a given time. Mm-hmm. And you can look at what's going on around in the world at that time, and that that theology is just a response to the culture.
1: A lot of times, yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you look at, let um, have to look it up on Audible. I just listened to a fascinating book called The Democratization of American Christianity. And it looked at Mm. American Christianity in the late uh, 18th and early 19th century uh, on the coattails of the American revolution. Ah. And and what you had was a lot of people influenced by Thomas Jefferson, uh, applying that to Christianity uh, to the point like, Thomas Jefferson uh, effectively said that every generation is basically a foreign nation to the next generation, and so Ooh. and so every governing structure needs to be re-upped in toto every generation. like it, it's there's not really any handing down of anything. It's we tear the whole Ooh. thing down and rebuild it every time. And people started doing that with Christianity is I'm uh-huh. not going to it's it wasn't. I'm going to reevaluate all of the traditions in light of scripture. It's I'm going to tear down every tradition and start with a, with a blank canvas and do whatever I want.
2: Right. And that, yeah. and, and you can't,
1: and, and that's, <laughs> and that's, that was how we ended up with the second great awakening. And, um, yeah. and, and the consequences of, of that mentality, we're still feeling, them. we're still feeling them yeah. right now where, where Christianity is all about me feeling good about myself Sure, it's about uh, my my fulfillment in you know going to hear Coldplay in a TED talk every Sunday. <laughs> as, as, <laughs> yeah, as opposed to uh, you know going to church, you know to worship and to be equipped to do the work of ministry, which is what Ephesians says. God gave Ephesians right. to equip the church to go do the work of ministry. You know, yeah. and, and that's where the kingdom expands. To fill the earth, right? It's it's not just go and have a revivalistic service and you know pray that the spirit shows up. The spirit does the spirit dwell in us or not? <laughs> you yeah. don't have to welcome it. You know, he's already there. Uh, and, and I can I can rant right.
0: about yeah. that for a minute. But God is already there. By the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. The point being, you're exactly right. So much of our theology is a response to the culture. And, and where what we need to be doing, uh, like if you break down the word "culture," the root is "cult." Uh, as, in, <laughs> as in as in, uh, well, we 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 don't recognize. You know, "cult" is from the Latin "cultus," which means worship. So, ah, okay. in in a way, the culture is our theology being applied to everyday life, whether that's art or entertainment or how we go to work or whatever. It's it's mm-hmm. what do we really believe at our very very foundation and then that comes out. So right. if your culture is sexual liberation and right, right. abortion on demand and stuff like that, well that's mm-hmm. because the foundation is ultimately the worship of self right uh, yeah, where and- If we want the culture, th- this is where uh, this is where we're, we're sometimes misrepresented the, the postmillennialists. Uh, but mm-hmm. then this is also sometimes where, where some of us do a bad job at representing ourselves. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's not that bad. the primary goal is cultural transformation. But if you get a bunch of people worshiping Jesus, the culture is going to look different. Absolutely. It, like it just yeah. will. It just will. Like if if you have – you know, 70% of a, of a given society, and I don't care if this is New York City or if this is uh, some no-name town in Texas with 300 people, that's going uh-huh. to look significantly different than somewhere like Beijing. Just by necessity, it's going to look entirely different. The people are going to be more generous. They're going to have fewer mental health problems, by and large. They're going to have fewer uh, broken homes. You're going to have lower crime rates. Yep. <laughs> These are just facts. And, yep. uh, and it's not that we just go in and we change the culture. It's we expand the kingdom. We evangelize. We disciple. And through those means, the yep. culture ends up looking different. Right. Because <laughs> a
0: transformed heart and mind creates a transformed life.
1: Exactly. And when you and have if a there's all of, of these life, people, yeah, yep. yeah, it just all lines up. and, and <laughs> I don't know why, I don't know why some are afraid of that. <laughs> it, it seems uh, maybe they're so used to losing uh, in this or, century because we've given away so much territory, uh, or maybe it's the influence of things like dispensationalism or premillennialism that say that we, we lose. Uh, even John MacArthur said that, and you know, I respect John MacArthur. Uh, but he said, "You know, no, we lose down here. No, we don't. We do not lose down here. <laughs> it it doesn't look like it doesn't look like word of faith nonsense. It doesn't look like the prosperity no. gospel. Like their their version right. of victory is actually pretty, pretty pathetic, anyway. Uh, right. But No, we don't lose down here. We're more the conquerors. Sure. In Christ, in Christ Jesus, it's not on our own.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's not like." Mm. <laughs> how do I put? How do I put this?
1: Bluntly,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay.
0: It's not through political means that the transformation comes, and I think that's where uh, uh, that's where a lot of people get it backwards. It, it's it's because the people are transformed. Yep the policies will change. Yes. It is not, like, like we're talking grassroots people, we're not talking top-down.
1: Yeah, which is, which is more, it's more difficult to do. Uh, it's significantly more difficult, because if all you have to do is make sure that your guy gets elected, then we can dump uh, a bunch of money in political action committees and run a bunch of commercials, and, it, and it, it expect the top-down change. Uh, but that's actually how Marxists think.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that that's actually yep. that's actually uh, influenced by Marx. Uh, whereas yep. whereas the the Christian biblical way of thinking is go be faithful, go do your job, go spread the gospel, go yep. the kingdom, and uh, you know, like Jesus, what the parable said, um, you know, it, it starts out like a mustard seed and then that tiny little mustard seed grows into the biggest tree in the garden and the birds come nested. Right. You know, a lot of the growth isn't even going to be perceptible. It's going to be, yeah. you know, faithful families doing their thing. You know, it's, it's going to be, you know, salvations one at a time, a lot of time, you know, it, not going to mm-hmm. complain if, you know, a thousand people could saved. that it happened in the Bible, you know, uh, and, and God is adding to our number every day, every day. Every day, so it's never going to die out. It's just, are we actually willing to count all things as lost for the sake of knowing Christ? Which would include obedience to Him in obeying the Great Commission, kind of like we talked about right. the circle.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and the problem is we have ha- w- we have a secularized theology. We we were talking about culture a few minutes back ago, and I've still been chewing. I've still been chewing on that, and because we are failing to teach Christian culture, biblical worldview, yep. um, Christians you you know you have to substitute that with something. Yeah. So it it uh, uh, it's a secular worldview.
1: When you don't, when you don't teach that, when you don't teach obedience to Jesus as actually being important, what you get is our current church uh, world, where, where it's say a prayer, walk an aisle, Uh have an altar call, which didn't even exist until the 1800s, by the way. Um, Thanks, Benny. Yeah, thanks, Vinny. And Vinny was a heretic. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> uh, he, he preached salvation by uh, by sanctification. Uh, yeah. He, like, he, he was not a good dude. Uh,
0: justified by works.
1: Yeah, at, like top to bottom. He was a justified by works kind of guy, so we should stop listening to them, and maybe we should stop doing altar calls because a heretic invented them. <laughs> they don't show up in the Bible. You know? uh, now, uh, you know, like I'm not going to say a church should never, you know, open things up for prayer with an elder during a response time. I'm not going to say that, but the whole proper altar call of come get saved kind of thing. Like if, <laughs> if, if, the, if the gospel comes down to get forgiven so you can go to heaven when you die, and that's it, what have you given people to live for? Right. right. You haven't really done anything. You, you've, nope. you've basically said, come well, get saved that. and figure it out. Figure everything else out of lot.
0: It's a it's a get out of hell free yeah. card,
1: right? right. Where I would where the, you know, the- all
0: all the prize, all the prize, and the reward is yet to come. So just right. you know, go go live your life. Go struggle through because you know you get to go to heaven when you die.
1: Right. The the where the Christian understanding is Jesus is Lord over everything. So mm-hmm. that would mean that how I run my business is a church discipline issue where if mm. I start, like if it becomes a, a, a public thing that, if, for example, uh, any guitarists out there probably know about the whole gear supply code uh, debacle from several <laughs> years ago where the guy took a bunch of orders and never fulfilled them. And it was tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff that he never delivered on. Um, and my understanding is he claims the impressive, And I'm, I'm just going to take him at his word for it uh, for, for the sake of this. His pastor should have had him in his office threatening to withhold communion from him unless he made it right. Right. Like, like just point blank. Uh, How I run my business really, really matters, and not just like like being a good dude kind of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This is for the glory of God and the joy of his people. And so that would be how I run my business, how the the guy who uh, supplies, you know, know, like the. uh, those little goofy vending machines that take a quarter and you get a little toy. How he okay. runs his vending machines matters. Right? Yeah. Uh the IT guy. It matters how he works. Uh the janitor yeah. and just on and on like literally everything under the submission of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah. The stockbroker. <laughs> yeah. Uh the mortgage lender. Uh the guy who uh who who uh, who New Jersey mandates has to pump your gas for you because they don't trust people to pump their own gas up there. <laughs> it it all actually really matters, and it's not just you punch your heaven card and then you know move on. It's no, right. but there's discipleship within all of that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean the 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 goal the goal of the Christian life, and oh man, I. I say this almost every week. If it isn't this show, then it's a guest spot with someone else. <laughs> but the, the goal in the plainest speak possible is for us to be as much as possible, all Jesus, all the time.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, now, not, not in the sense that you get really weird about it. <laughs> in, in the sense that all you do is wear uh, like God's Gym t shirts with 18 <laughs> WWJD bracelets, and you know, there's a comment on every tiny little thing that happens in your life about what would Jesus do. Or, a, I, I yep. think you know what I'm saying, and we've all met you have a people. a platitude for every situation. Yeah, we've met people like that. No, that's not that. That's but, not what but, we mean. But what's not weird is bringing everything under the submission of Christ, mm-hmm. including including how we celebrate our holidays, including how we uh, run our small group Bible studies, including mm-hmm. how we take prayer requests, like not turning them into gossip sessions. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it really is all about the glory of God and finding joy in that. And, yeah, and for sure. That's and if that is your compass, if that's where if that's where you're directed, you're not gonna you're not gonna have a bad time. And it, and it is both. It's not just the glory of God or the joy. It is both, uh, right? And, and I think that's where the Westminster Confession nails us because it's, it's biblical.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, and, and we need we should be people who find our joy in the glory of God.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Gosh, what did I say? I don't remember, because I'm old, and because my brain is my brain is so full of all of this stuff that there's not room for you know reality. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like like if anyone in my circle understands that, it's you. (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, the good, the good thing is at least the uh, providential thing for me is uh is I monetized it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't have the uh opportunity to listen to however many podcasts I listen to in a given day while they're doing their day job. Like I get that. I I understand like I am spoiled in that sense. Yep. Uh, but uh, you don't have to be a theology nerd listening to every podcast under, under the sun uh, in order to glorify God and, it, no. and, and enjoy it forever. It's no. It's it is it's meant to be a normal everyday thing that sure. turned into something extraordinary. Like you, you don't have to spend three hours a day reading the Bible to have a deep understanding of it.
0: No, and. Like for in fact, for most, I would recommend against that if you're spending three hours a day in your Bible, it's probably just background noise at this point
1: that's true that's very true and and what a lot of people don't know this this is an interesting side side trail uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know how to consume content hmm. uh, whether it's audio or video or reading is. A lot of people think, well, I'm never going to remember all of that. I'm never going to remember this 90-minute lecture or whatever. Well, get the big point. You know? uh, most of the time in a book, you're, you end up taking away one or two or maybe three big ideas.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and that's about it. Uh, it. Instead of like trying to remember everything, you're not going to remember everything. I don't remember everything. I have a pretty good memory but I don't remember everything. And so when I'm when I'm listening to whatever podcast or whatever YouTube video or or even you know reading the Bible it's what's the big, big point here? You know and obviously like with scripture there's connections to other things in scripture but that takes time. That takes yeah. a, that's that's a long again that's a long term goal that takes decades. <laughs> right? It's, it's not 3 months from now. Uh, when I've floundered in the book of Leviticus on my year-long reading plan. (laughs) Every year! Every year. Maybe maybe instead of doing that, you calculate how many chapters there are in the Bible, and you get a little checklist with all the chapters of the Bible. And if you spend... I think if you read...
0: It's four chapters a day. It's about 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, well, so the way that I kind of... Boiled it down, and, and this is—I don't do this every day. I'm not perfect with it, but a psalm and a proverb uh-huh. uh, plus two point six chapters a day will get you through the Bible in a year plus some. Yep, yep. easy. That's so easy. <laughs> that's so, and and when you read it multiple times, you know, you're reading it year after year. You're going to pick up a lot of stuff that you never saw before because oh yeah, because before it was it's just like, like this is so dumb. Uh, it's like anytime some I tell somebody you got to watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You have to watch it. Have to watch it twice. You miss so many things the first time. Whether wow. it's whether it's the counting of the holy hand grenade, <laughs> or or you know people beating cats against walls, or whatever. Like you miss so much stuff because one because there's so much going on in that movie, but two, right. so many people aren't used to 70s British humor anyway. That right. a lot of it's the first the first watch is just shocking, and then you go back and watch. It's like I understand all of this now, <laughs> right? Not,
0: and, now that I'm acclimated,
1: right? I understand I, what's happening. And, it, <laughs> and, it, and it's it's the same thing with the Bible. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: God! <laughs> uh, where's 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 the lightning?
1: You're not gonna get it all the first time. You gotta <laughs> no. read it a lot, and, yeah. and you're not yeah. gonna make all the connections between Old and New Testament the first time. You're not gonna. You're not going to nail down a perfect understanding sure. of law and gospel. You're not going to have a perfect hermine- hermeneutical first time, right. or you're, even you're first not. First mm-hmm. It's going to take years. Yeah, you're, it's you're, a grind. Yeah, there's, there's joy in the grind. There's a payoff in the end. Yep,
0: descriptive, prescriptive, like pick your hermeneutical, whatever. Those things take time.
1: Right. Exactly. The
0: but you know, that's what's so interesting for me talking to someone like my dad about stuff. Because he's not, like, in a proper sense, like you or I, like, he's not super theological. Sure. Where he studied the systematics and he knows the words and uses all the right terms for stuff. But he's a guy that for the last 25 years of his life has read through the Bible anywhere between two to five times a year.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So, so so you're talking hundreds of times through this thing, and, like, I'm trying to give him some theological concept, and he's like, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes it's needed. Sometimes it's needed to, to, to simplify. Uh, it, it is entirely possible, and, and I say this as someone who overthinks, it's entirely possible to overthink things and get bogged oh, down. Oh, yeah uh and that's when you lose sight of the of god join him right it's yeah. it's i have to figure that's out this there. thing this then i'll arrive or i have to figure <laughs> out this thing and then i'll finally right. understand everything yep. well then yep. there's always the next thing after that
0: <laughs> right and yeah yeah it, that. it, if that's you right. take it from me take it from cody we never arrive right There's there's always the next bullet point. There's always the next rabbit trail.
1: There's always (laughs) sanctification, and there's always maturity, but you never properly arrive, right? Not even even become an not this side of the veil, right? You you never you can even properly um, become an expert in certain biblical subjects. I don't claim Mm -hmm. that. I'm I'm very much a generalist uh, when it comes to that, but right. uh, But you never properly arrive to the point where you don't need to stop growing and you don't need to stop learning. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's just so much there, you, You're forced into patience with that, or you'll burn out or you'll give up or you'll, oh, man, I don't see this match, this growth and maturation like I did this time last year or whatever. Well, maybe there's some other things going on um, yeah, or, or whatever. So it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's just like the post-millennial view of it, the trend is upward, but it's not perfectly upward all the time. Right. There's, there's hills yep. and valleys in that, yep. in that grass. And it's, it's the yeah. same thing with the Christian life. So if, yeah. so if we have one Christian where that's going on, we can expect that with a billion Christians <laughs> and that going on.
0: Yeah. So, you know, if, it, it, if you can summarize the whole thing, uh not that i won for summaries but as we've discussed you know it's been an hour plus conversation people yep. are not going to remember the whole thing they're going to remember like 30 seconds
1: yep, yep.
0: So, 30 so, seconds? <laughs> so so like what what is the 30 second hey this is post postmeal and we're not the enemy
1: the church militant will be victorious in history, per Scripture, per the Great Commission, per all of the Law and Prophets. I'll even note uh, Ezekiel forty-seven uh, quickly. Uh, one thing that we have to keep it in mind sorry That's fine. Uh, one, of, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that the New Testament provides clarity for the Old, and so yep. when we see things like temple and rivers and things like that. Uh, we have to look at it through a New Testament lens. The the temple, we understand, is the church. The the Mm -hmm. New Covenant temple is the church. And out of, and and Jesus said, if any man would come to me, I would make him a a spring of living water. Out of him will come springs of living water. We read Ezekiel 47, and a river starts coming out of the temple. And eventually it gets knee-deep, waist-deep, and eventually it gets to the point where it's so deep that dudes are driving boats around on it fishing. <laughs> That's what we can expect in church mm-hmm. history. As right. as time plays out in God's sovereignty and the power of the Spirit, uh, the church will cover the world, and right. it'll be awesome. We're not there yet. We're not going to make it happen ourselves. We're not. Right. Uh, right. There was a lot of that in the 18th. 1800s, like that book I told you about. A lot of people thought they were going to bring about the millennium. No, we're not. <laughs> That's all God's doing. It's all right. God's grace. Um, yep. And if you disagree with me, we can still be friends, even though you're wrong.
0: <laughs> and it's it's grassroots. It is through the gospel. It is through making disciples. Yep. yep. It is through there being more Christians in the world. It is not a top-down, you know, seven-mountain mandate where we need to control no. all of the stuff. Nope, not at all. It is, it is through creating more Christians.
1: Ex- yeah, exactly. Because,
0: because that transforms our hearts and our minds and our lives. And when we live out these transformed lives in the world, the world will transform.
1: Exactly. That, I don't think I could put that any better myself, though.
0: But yeah, so thanks for being on, Cody. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, just, uh, I know you mentioned it briefly in the beginning, but where can people find your stuff, whether it be your pedals, or your blog, or your podcast, or what have you?
1: Yeah, so the brand is Westminster Effects, as in the Westminster Confession of Faith, even though I'm Formed Baptist. Westminster sounds a lot better than 1689 second London Baptist effects. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, Westminster effects.com, Westminster effects on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. Uh, check out Westminster effects, doxology podcast. Again, it's, it's not about guitar stuff. It's more of a theological thing. Your crowd would probably, uh, enjoy it a pretty decent amount. And if you want to yeah. join the discussion with us, Westminster effects, doxology podcast lounge on Facebook.
0: Yep, I am in there all the time getting owned by somebody. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I that this. <laughs> all right, everybody. Um like, subscribe if you'd watch this on the YouTube thing. Um share it with your friends and leave reviews. Those are the best ways for me to hit the algorithm so that more people can learn to have the christian perspective which is what all this is about and really just learn to have christian conversation so thank you again cody for being on and having a chat and we'll probably do it again when i get into like covenant theology or something like that yeah
1: absolutely sounds good man
2: see ya